How's it going, everybody? This is Daily to Downloads. My name is Chad. This is Eric. This is a webcast, a podcast about movies. And normally we have topics. This week we do not. Um, so we are going to do what we do best, which is just shoot the shit on some of the various news and notes that are out there right now. Some of the happenings, as it were. In- we are the topic. Finally, we are the topic. That's right. Um, so if you just love listening to us, this is the show for you. Um, and one of the things that I always look forward to, and maybe Eric does too, we certainly talk about it, but is the announcement of what movies are being released on Criterion. The Criterion Collection is still making Blu-rays and uh, 4Ks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, maybe not 4Ks, but certainly Man, well, There is that new, is it 4K UHD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I just saw that announcement a couple weeks ago, and I don't even know what that is. Like, I, I the only thing I'm sorry, not to jump ahead, <laughs> but <laughs> I just worried that that's going to uh, eliminate the standard edition DVDs. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, there are 4K 4K discs out there. Um, I, I don't think they've caught on. You know, I mean, I know because a lot of people in the groups that I'm in on Facebook, they, they buy the 4K c- codes that come with those discs. But I, I don't know a lot of people that have 4K players necessarily. They'll have 4K um, compatible televisions. And if you have the code that's 4K, then that's you don't need the player. So um, oh. that's one way to circumvent it. But um, in any event, uh, Criterion always announces their releases. And because the studios aren't really set you know hoping for a lot of sales with dvds or blu-rays criterion can pretty much pick up the rights to whatever movie they want these days um so we're seeing a lot more mainstream movies uh pop up on criterion now uh which is interesting and uh eric did you see the most recent announcements for november i did yes yeah so the big one is citizen kane uh, which, you know, I would say probably most collectors have, um, but... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, is that a big one? I mean, it's a big, of course, it's a big movie, but... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple extras on there that um, that were that were not on any other set, but uh, it, it's, it's a, you know, one of the most acclaimed films of all time, and this it has not been released on Criterion. Um, one of the things that people always look forward to as collectors is what the cover will be. And uh, one of the uh, funny topics that I've seen is the fact that people are, this is the first time I ever read this headline, Criterion gets roasted for their cover of Citizen Kane, which is just a big letter K. And uh, yeah, so I don't know why they decided to go with the minimalist approach with this particular cover. Um, You know, in the past, I don't know if these groups still exist, but there would be people on forums and message boards that would post their own fake Criterion covers. And I always used to love looking at that stuff before. This was during an era where a lot of the movies people wanted to see on Criterion, there was very little, little chance of those movies ever being released on Criterion because at the time the studios wanted to release editions of those movies on their own. Now it's really not a factor, but uh, you know, there's probably so many other covers for Citizen Kane that you could have selected. Just the big letter K. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I thought it was fine. Like, I, I, I'm surprised how many people seem to be uh, 
I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised. It's, it's the internet. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, like uh, up in arms over it. Like it was very extremely minimalist, uh, you know, which was fine. Um, I didn't think too much more beyond that. Um, and if you are up in arms, you need to tell us why. Like my res- my re- my yeah. response to it was like, letter K. Okay, you know. <laughs> I, I, w- I wouldn't buy like a poster of that cover. Really? Know? Well, I bought one for your birthday, so. I mean, uh, I, 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 mean I, I you know, as an Eric with a K, like I do love the letter, but. Yeah. It's one afraid, of your favorite letters, right? It is one of my favorite letters. I just don't know when I have a. Fr- I, I love special K. Um, K was my favorite character in Men in Black, um, but but yeah, I mean it's fine, it's fine, you know. Um, people were like the K is for the K in Mank, because you know we're giving Herman Mankiewicz his uh, his due process now. Is that really what people said? It's kind of joking, but a few okay. a few jokesters on Twitter, yes, but, a few jokesters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I you know with stuff like this. I don't buy as many DVDs or Blu-rays as I used to. So in order for me to rebuy something, it would have to be extraordinary or have some extras on there that are interesting. I think there's a student film that Orson Welles made on there that uh, might not have seen the light of day before. Um, But uh, you'll certainly notice the K if you're browsing Barnes and Noble during their 50% off sale and uh, Citizen Kane is up there. But I, I don't know that I'd rebuy it. You know, I really, you know, at this point, the, does just, does the cover put me over the edge? Maybe. <laughs> does the does the uh, as long as the spine of the case says Citizen K, I'll be fine. Yeah, you if know, it's a, yeah. if it's just a K, that's totally over the line. I was gonna say then people will be confused, and then people will stock it incorrectly in stores. And uh, is this a prequel to the movie M? uh that's a good point that's good but then they gotta buy the letter l somewhere <laughs> so you know it just causes more headaches than it than that's this. yeah that's exactly right and w- the one i was excited about the most though of those releases um is the once upon a time in china box set um you know if you're a martial arts movie fan uh this is a jet Li franchise before he became a really big star um finding all these movies at one point was kind of a pain um so you know like only the first two were really readily available so the fact that they're all in one box set now this is why i like criterion when they release box sets like this where things are all in one place whereas before they might not have been due to rights issues or whatever you know um i always look forward to their box sets and i feel like around november december eric they always save their big box set releases for that holiday season right yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I guess that was also uh, another friend of mine, too, was excited for that and that it included, um, I'm not as familiar with the series, but Once Upon a Time in China, in America or something like that. There was like a 1994, but that's also included. I think that might have been like for the first time. I'm not very familiar with, with the series, but yeah, it does seem pretty complete, um, comprehensive. Are there any that you're looking for? Well, you know what? I thought of you when I saw Mulholland Drive. Well, so for that, I mean, that I would say no, just because that's just an upgrade, I guess, to the Blu-ray, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, because that actually did exist already on the Criterion. And I think it's the same version in terms of like the pressing and everything like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, but for me, like, it, it's been kind of cool because la- um, last year or early this year, um, 
not to get too into the weeds, but like um, a man by the name of Ashley Clark, who is a critic and programmer uh, at BAM, the Brooklyn Academy of Music. He became the uh, curatorial director Criterion at the beginning of this year. Um, and definitely seeing some of that influence there. And now I'm now yeah. I'm trying to guess, back two years ago, he did this really great series called um, Black 90s, which is about uh, African-American films in the 1990s, mostly Hollywood, but not completely. Uh, so to see like menace to society here, right. uh, I'm like, okay, like I can, I can link that to the programmer, to the person, you know? Yeah. Um, and there are certain other ones when I see- um, That's a good movie too. Um, that, that's, that's a cool- Yeah, and, and, and would never, you know, I don't want to say under previous regimes or whatever, but be considered probably in the collection, um, you know? And I don't think that ever got like a really good release either. No, um, it was like just a, a standard line. DVD release really. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so that one I was just, I was just glad to see, because again, it's not something, uh, those, those that stick out as being a little bit out of the norm of what Criterion is traditionally, you know, generic. Well, on that note, the incredible shrinking man. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that, now that gets released in October. That's not a, um, a November release, but, right. uh, but yeah, that, that movie I bought, um at monster bash which is a uh, festival that uh one of our former colleagues leonard hayhurst uh would work at with uh his friends run by ron adams i'm sure they appreciate my plug and uh they would they it's a horror convention and they had there was a couple box sets that were released at one time of like b-movie classics i mean they were just like it was just basically the movie itself in this little box set. And uh, somebody had recommended The Incredible Shrinking Man to me. And uh, I so I had to buy the whole box set just to watch that movie because uh, there was no other way to watch it. And it, it is really great. Um, if, you, if you like B-movie sci-fi type stuff, it, it's really terrific. Um, so the fact that that movie is getting released on Criterion is interesting. They do have a precedent of B-movies there. They have released several B-movies in the past. Uh, but it's been a while since we've seen one like that. But absolutely, yeah. So, so I think that's um, in terms of like, yeah, some more recent things. Where um, I think it's September, October, uh, Love and Basketball. It's gonna be a part of it too, um, which I think is you know pretty cool. Um, there was a Bill Duke. Uh, I'm blanking on the name. 1992, starring Larry. Well, Larry, because I think he was still Larry then. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, uh, the, I'm googling it right now. Sorry, deep cover, deep cover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cool. Uh, I watched that movie like as a kid, probably on television. Um, I like edited, um, <laughs> and so it's kind of cool to see that as well as Criterion because I feel like people don't really remember that film and and Bill Duke as a director. Um, yeah. Also, something to keep in mind too is that whenever you see, we used to talk about this, like going to film form or whatever. When you see that a uh, a film is playing in a theater, a repertory theater for like a week due to like a new restoration of some kind. That's usually a sign that if a new dire- restoration has been made, that could lead to, if not Criterion, then another home video release some, from some company. Um, so whenever I see something from, you know, Janice Films Restoration or what have you, um, I just kind of assume um, for the New York Film Festival coming up, we're showing a uh, rat catcher of the Lynn Ramsey movie. That's Criterion September. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, on here, yeah. Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, I think is part of the Mario Van Peebles box set. So, 
something to keep in mind when you're ever kind of doing predictions for, for future Criterion releases of what's being restored and who's doing the restoration, I think is always, you know. But of course, with the Criterion channel now, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but sometimes a good indicator. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, while we were talking here, I just realized, because I was thinking to myself, you know, boy, like Criterion's like the last man standing with some of these special releases, but Kino Lorber is still releasing okay. stuff. They're still, they're still around, which. Uh, yeah. And they, they, <laughs> a lot of new releases in terms of like acquisitions, especially for international titles. Right. And they were one of the first companies to have like a, a streaming platform, like Kino Marquee or Kino Now, I think it's called. Oh, wow. Um, and like right by April, um, because with the death of theatrical for the time being, like, that was, you know, Warber's total business, you know, right. um, that older matinee crowd in foreign films and, and things of that right. nature. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of new films pick up buys at festivals. Um, some of the other ones, I don't remember all of the films that might still be around. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure which ones have survived and which ones have not. So another topic lately has been Field of Dreams. Uh, the baseball game took place very recently at the time of this recording. Um, but the game itself has spurred interest. And now Peacock has ordered a series remake right to its streaming service, um, which I, I find interesting. Uh, but I did watch, I did watch the game. And uh, it was very cool to see Kevin Costner there and him do the opening and uh, the players, Eric, I don't know if you heard, walked out of the cornstalks onto the field, which was, which was a neat effect. And, uh, you know, that kind of prompted me to rewatch the movie. I actually showed it to my kids um, and I had been hesitant because I wasn't sure if they'd be interested because it's a drama and they really don't watch dramas, as you can imagine, at seven. Um, I mean, it's, like, how, it's like, how am I going to introduce to them? their parents mortality like, oh, feel the dreams gonna have to do it <laughs> you know? yeah um so we rewatched it and, you know that's it's it's a great movie I, I i really like it a lot and uh i god like a series just was it a close game uh i don't even know like it was actually oh, okay. yeah, imagine if it was like in the first inning 10 to zero they're like god damn it <laughs> you know it's like no the game was was actually very close it was back and forth uh so it was the white Sox and the yankees and uh the in the top of the ninth, the Yankees hit a home run to go up by one run, and in the bottom of the ninth, the White Sox hit a home run. Tim Anderson, to be specific, to win the game. So, winning the game in the bottom of the ninth can't get much better than that. I mean, it was a nice day. It was a cool visual to see people hitting home runs into the corn stalks, and uh, you know the fact that Kevin Costner was there and did some commentary with the uh, with the regular announcers was was pretty neat um did they um not to do a pun here i guess too but like i'm trying to remember for the film itself like they shot on location somewhere and i guess in they, iowa yeah yeah and like they did they build that house and, and all that kind of stuff like it's so like what actually exists there like, has like a field it's, been there? it's it's a pretty big tourist attraction there um now i know that a company had purchased the property um in the past few years maybe i could be wrong there but recently um and but it is still it is still a tourist attraction the house is still up 
I don't know that it was built for the movie, but uh, the house is still there. It still looks the same. Now, I guess the field that was built for the movie was not the field that these players played on. Yeah. Um, yeah. They built another field with like regulation stands and all the whole nine yards as Major League Baseball would have uh, for this particular game. And then you could see some kids and various people playing on the field from the movie. Um, but it wasn't much there. It was just like my wife actually went there years ago on a road trip with friends. And, you know, it's basically just a little trailer with a souvenir shop. You know, like, you know, that's it. But it's a big tourist attraction there because it's Iowa. What else is there, really? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, you know, you get there and, like, you have to have expectations and check. I mean, maybe there's, like, a sign or a billboard or what have you. But, um, right. yeah, it's like, well, it's it's dirt. It's a field. It's the dirt. <laughs> so the field. But, but yeah. Where do you <laughs> so, go after that, guys? Where do you go from there? <laughs> but a TV series? Come on. Like, just... Like, I don't understand messing with movies that there's really nothing wrong with them. You know, I, I don't I don't get that. And this this series is coming from Michael Schur, who uh, has, you know, a big, a lot of TV under his resume. So, yeah, it, it also doesn't that also feel like the perfect microcosm of like know, Hollywood today where it's like, oh, they made a baseball. They had a special baseball game based on a movie and due to people watching the baseball game based on a movie that popularity has made us think we're going to now have a tv show based on the movie due to the popularity of the game based on the movie it's like sure why <laughs> not make your head spin you know why not like how many times can we do the ip of what i can't wait for the the uh the nhl game on um dances with wolves uh site uh, you know or, uh, well, let's keep it going where else can we do famous i'm there for uh, that That's... famous locations um you know from movies where we recreate what if they actually had the mystery alaska game <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah movie. yeah there are certain like you think of your favorite sports movies where were they um why, why not do um uh hoosiers in that gym that was a real gym that was a classic gym do a do an nba game there you're not allowed People could be in there, but yeah. Well, on that point, there was not that many people at the game because apparently the both teams, I think, were allocated like, I don't know, a certain number of tickets. Like, I think I heard like 1,000 to 1,500 or something along those lines. Um, so, like, if you were there and you lived in Iowa, apparently, like, you, if they quit, this is a quote from the commentators, it was akin to winning the lottery uh, because there just wasn't that many seats available there. And apparently, it was one of the, you know, like, buying tickets secondhand like it was some of the highest prices yeah I, I, I they announced it maybe like three or i feel like three, maybe three years ago or so like yeah and then i completely forgot of course because some years ago and i don't really follow baseball but it's been yeah talked about for, for quite some time so i uh will be interested to see what what happens with the series i know they changed the name of the author um, James Earl Jones played in the movie. In the movie, it was Terrence Mann. Um, in the book by W.P. Kinsella, which is called Shoeless Joe, the author was J.D. Salinger, who is a real person. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you can't use that either, probably. But um... It wasn't a very popular thing that made the author happy back when the book came out. And I think that's why they changed it for the movie. They just didn't want to deal with any of that at all. So it'll be interesting to see what they... Yeah, really 
stick to, you know. Well, I mean, it, this would be the second random, to me, random uh, TV series based on a movie starring Gabby Hoffman as a little daughter. No, she's not little anymore, of course. But uh, there was Uncle Buck, which she was in. And then, yes, that was a series for about three episodes. Yeah. Uh, no one remembers it, but you can find it on YouTube. And, um, and this would be another one. Um, and she's, I mean, she's still acting, uh, you know, she's still in a lot of movies, but. Um, That's true. This is funny. I never would have expected Uncle Buck and Field of Dreams to, to turn out to have television series based on them, just because <laughs> Field of Dreams feels pretty conclusive at the end of the movie. <laughs> I don't think we're going to go from here, you know? It's like, what new ghost is going to come out of the corner? Yeah, does he create yeah. like a ghost league? Like, what the hell is this? Other relatives that he's trying to, you know, I don't know. Um, on the note of the movie, the director, uh, Phil Alden Robinson was his name. Um, and he said uh, one of his biggest regret, the only regret he had for that movie is not including black players. Um, and it was just something, it, from what I read, it was something pretty innocent. Like he just didn't even, it didn't even occur to him to, to use to black, black players. But it would have been, it would have been, that would have been interesting. So I'll bet you, I guess I'll bet you had something they changed. Yeah. Well, I guess it also depends on when the what's the what's the time period of the the players? It's like the 30s, the 40s, the 20s. Yeah, yeah. So the movie takes place in 1988, um, and the the players it deals with the White Sox and that whole scandal. Um, okay. So that was 1917, I think. Okay, because there were some like that. You probably there were not racial. Uh, there were barriers for different leagues for different yeah. races. I mean, back then, back then it minor. would have been what they called the Negro League. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Satchel Page and a lot, a lot of really yeah. legendary players. Jack so, Robinson, I think, was oh, their original. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I just envision. I can tell you right now, it's going to happen with this series. It's going to have too many effects. Too many effects. They're going to make the ghost thing way over the top. Like <laughs> the creepiness of the movie was what made it special to me um, that they just kind of disappeared into the corn and there wasn't really much to it. Um, you know, I can just imagine the ridiculousness. <laughs> also, I don't know if we've mentioned, is Kevin Costner involved? That I don't know. Like, what are we doing? I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. But, but if we don't even get Kevin Costner back, like, what are we really doing? What are we really remaking here? Like, right. Then just call it Angels in the Outfield Redux or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. go that route. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, hopefully we get that too. Angels, Angels in the Outfield. Redux. Oh, trust me. I mean, we got all those Mighty Ducks, uh, re the television series now for the Mighty Ducks. So I'm sure. Well, I think Angels in the Outfield is still not on Disney Plus because of really? the, uh, I'm, I'm guessing the, the rights to the the team logo and stuff like that that was featured in the in the movie it might be an issue there's got to be some issue there that we're not seeing let's just blame it on scarlett johansson right? it's probably her fault too i mean she got she got 20 million dollars come on that's ridiculous look at it. we got a freaking series now for turner and hooch you telling me we can't crank out an angel of the outfield series tomorrow <laughs> come on yeah i know i agree um so new releases Eric was telling us before we got on there here um, that you saw the remake of Candyman. I still need to revisit that franchise, but uh, how was the Candyman remake? I was going to say, so technically... Um, this is a remake slash sequel or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it's really, it's, really it's really a sequel um, in that 
it doesn't deny the previous movies. Right. Um, but it's not really that involved with the previous movies. Um, it's like annoying when they don't make a choice to me. Like, it's like, yeah. make, like, and I haven't seen it, but like, make a choice. It's either a remake or it's a sequel. If you, yeah. if you can't have, if you're going to have it be both, then you got to title it something else. Well, it was a movie just yeah. called Candyman. <laughs> yeah. What I, what I think they want to do is like, have it both ways where it's like, don't alienate people who haven't seen the others. Right. The other films, but then also don't alienate the true fans, I guess. Right. Uh, but yeah, but it is a uh, it is a sequel in that certain people I don't want to like you know there's the, the most famous people from the movie do have a presence in the new one um, in some way. What would you uh, call Candyman fans? Candy Mananites? Candy fans? Candy uh, no, fans. I, I like I like that better. I like that better. Fans, right? We call them uh, you know, and if they're alcoholics, they're, they're brandy brandy man. I don't know. Anyway, I, I've had a lot of time. Uh, Call your handyman to do the, like, I've had to, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's okay. I mean, I think it's also something where um, it was shot in 2019. And the first trailer, I looked this up, came out in like February of 2020, because it was supposed to come out in June of 2020, originally. Right. And then it got pushed back like three or four times, like so many other movies have. And now it's a little disappointing that with the whole, delta variant that's like but like it just at this point gotta put the movie out uh you know it's been over a year and a half and i will be very interested to see i'll just say that um how the cultural conversation i think has has changed a little bit from 2019 to 2021 about um uh, racial trauma and racial violence and things of that nature which right uh, which i don't which I'll, I'll be interested to see um how, pe how people will respond to that it is i mean it's still a gory slasher movie it's core but uh in terms of like the the backstory and the origins of stuff um it'll be interesting i could see it being um not controversial but maybe rub some people the wrong way but um uh but yeah but i mean it's 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 worth checking out um for the things that normally people would watch these movies for in terms of like gore inside of that and I, i've actually like you were talking about the other ones. I like the first one. I think I saw the second one, but that was it. I think there were like four, but I did not. I was not a loyalist. Um, they, they were not as big um, in terms of popularity as, as some of the other slasher movies of the 90s and 80s, etc. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's see, the director right now is, is busy in, I think, Atlanta shooting Captain Marvel 2. So um, she's been swooped up by Marvel as well. I feel like every week we report yeah, on. We've, we've talked about that. Someone else, yeah. I'm speaking with a filmmaker next week who's who's going to be doing Blade, the remake of Blade, for Marvel. Um, who knows? I, I I feel like one week we're going to do an episode, and one of us will get hired by Marvel by the end of the episode. Um, I think that that needs to happen. Um, yes, and I, I also. I want to give a shout out to Coleman Domingo, the actor who, if anyone saw Zola earlier this year, he's really good in that. And he also has a pretty big role in, in Candyman. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool movie, but uh, very rapidly gentrifying Chicago. Why that's the case, the ghosts of that area. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would check it out. It's only in theaters. 
uh, I believe. <laughs> Maybe for a day, who knows? They'll wind in up 10 days, it'll be on digital. Yeah, who can say? You can say, you know, it's, they say, I believe, only in theaters, but that might change uh, any minute, you know? Um, yeah. And I will say that for, I, I haven't really thought about this in a while, but like when I see a horror movie, that I'm sort of okay with watching at home because the, the loud jump and sound stuff, I hate. I right. Stuff. So like when I feel, when I was watching the latest um, Conjuring, which has like so many of those fake jump scares. Yeah. Every every 10 seconds, it feels like, I, I'm like going like, the, like the sound like that, you know, <laughs> I know it's supposed to make you jump, but it's not because it's scary. It's because you just raise the volume 10 levels that my human ear can't handle. Eric, it's, it's okay if you're scared. <sighs> No, but don't worry. It's just the cat. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a door opening. Don't worry. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, so I do like watching those at home because I can control the volume. So I don't need to keep like, you know, I think I'm going to lose 10 years off my life the next jump scare. Um, but but it would be cool to see with an audience. I mean, I, I think there are there are things in the movie for for the fans, uh, if you will. Um, but I But I do fear as well that it's going to be somewhat of a victim of the pandemic only in theaters it'll probably get discovered more down the line than than now well i will have to see it as i said i need to revisit that franchise uh in total before i probably see that one but uh so we're going to end uh our random topics this week with brendan fraser so we always do. That's how we always do it. Yeah, it always goes back to Brendan Fraser. So he's been in the news a lot lately um, because he's kind of had a resurgence of popularity. Uh, his Hollywood story is, is not a happy one, um, but it, I'm glad to see that his, he's back in the game and his career is improving. And uh, he uh, is in the movie No Sudden Move um and had a, had a small role in that, that that got some acclaim to the point where he has recently been cast in a darren aronofsky movie and uh he was cast in uh martin scorsese movie uh, killers of the flower moon with uh leonardo dicaprio and robert de niro uh so to me that's it's, it's just a, a long shoot because they've been shooting for like two months and like i keep seeing casting announcements right John Lithgow was last week i'm like damn like how much more time we got left to like put more actors into this thing what's crazy about it though to me is that you're right it has been casting and so the only logical explanation is that scorsese saw no sudden move and decided I to say, cast it. <laughs> i just think you watch george of the jungle on disney plus yeah. because there I are no photos in that came movie across oh, monkey bone exactly across yes. monkey bone and was yes. like i need that guy Yes. No, he's like he's like this this guy who's in bedazzled that's my new harvey Keitel. <laughs> and you know brendan fraser was in a lot of goofy movies but you know i always you know liked him simply because it always seemed like he put his heart into the movies despite the fact that they were bad um in, in some cases anyway i'm a fan of the remake of bedazzled i have to admit but uh <laughs> he's been a long, i mean he's been around for like 30 years for, yeah or, yeah you know, i mean it, it felt like just when he was starting to incorporate some serious roles uh he was in crash i, I believe um he had a small role in that one um wasn't it crash 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't yeah. remember them in it, but there were a lot of people in Crash. So. It was, yeah. Why don't like, you I was never any it, <laughs> it was definitely a hyperlink movie that he was in. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, seemed like no, right right. That he was. He was. Yeah. Right when that happened is is kind of when he he started to disappear. Like he had some injuries from I think one of the Mummy movies because uh, he did it all of his own stunts in all of his movies, which I didn't know, you know, before you know recently doing research, uh, and that kind of messed him up in, in a big way. Uh, and there was a, a few other personal things going on with him as well. But uh, anyway. It's cool to see Brendan Fraser back. I know that you probably weren't clamoring for his return, Eric, but what do you... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, I, I was thinking about, as I saw that somebody asked him on some news program, like, how's it, how does it feel seeing all this fan appreciation? Like, and he was pretty surprised. And he's like, right. he wears a lot of cowboy hats now? Like, I don't, maybe, I don't know his past or his, <laughs> his... Maybe he's from the South. I have no clue. Uh, but... No, no. Yeah, I think, well, I think he's from, originally from Canada actually oh, okay um because he, he was in that movie uh the mountie movie i'm blanking on the name i'm gonna oh yes 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 um i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna put the cover here uh yeah that one that one guys <laughs> yeah. the mountie movie anyway and i because i came across that and i realized that he was from canada and i was like oh wow you know they they wanted to hire somebody from canada for that one had to be. It had to be. Uh, can't have a non. Dudley do right. Dudley do right. Yeah. Dudley do right. Yeah. We do our research here, folks. I'm uh, telling you. Yeah, but he does. I, I do think it's tough. Just like for not as hard as actresses, but I do think for for guys like him, early on in his career, being like I guess like the pretty Hollywood leading man kind of thing, and you kind of get typecast in that, and then usually you know uh, some people can change can change that career trajectory uh but some kind of fizzle out i guess do that right you know and yeah. he did try to his credit like uh, gods and monsters he uh, yes yeah, that's that's what i was gonna say American, like, like he did try that's why i kind of i've you know always waved his flag to a certain degree because i've seen him do serious roles and he, i know he can do it school ties is a very underrated movie and it's very serious drama um like you mentioned gods and monsters um you know he'll have bit parts in dramas here and there we mentioned crash um so he can do it uh but he just you would know him for movies uh like furry vengeance and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. and uh he became like a goofy family actor right um right. journey to the center of the earth remaking 3d and like those yeah kind of mummy, yeah the mummy movies and for all i know because there's a mummy ride at universal for all i know they use his likeness or voice in it i have no clue but um, yeah that's a good question and i've probably been on that ride too um i actually don't remember probably, him being a part of it but yeah. uh, now we're talking about rides at disney so i don't know I, i'm just saying that uh, i always assumed i guess that he feels he felt right for um a Quentin Tarantino kind of comeback. You would think. Uh, where yeah. he plays like racist drug lord or something. <laughs> like in a 10 minute cameo where he eats the scenery and it's like crazy. You mentioned you mentioned that. I wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't no, be surprised. No, but if you work with Scorsese now and stuff, you can't have a you can't have another comeback. All right. You only get how many comebacks can you get? I, I say so, yeah, no, you have a point because Tarantino likes to pick some of these people from obscurity 
and yeah. put them in small roles. Whereas if they're not in obscurity anymore, maybe he yeah. wouldn't be as keen to pick them. But who knows? Um, Brendan Fraser would have been one of my top five Tarantino casting predictions in the future. But now I'm taking now. them off the list. Take them off, right, the take, take them off the list. Now yeah. uh, we'll see who's uh, who's next on my list here. Chris O'Donnell, maybe? Maybe Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good Not one. Bad, right? Not bad. Actually, They're very you know what? Same ilk. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off because that's a great topic in the future. <laughs> yeah, those in needing a juicy comeback against type character actor role, we could come up with a good list. Yeah. We always try to predict weird people that will show up at the Oscars that you like don't think will show up <laughs> there at all, <laughs> like at the house. And like this, this is an interesting one too. Like, you know, top Tarantino castings that you wouldn't expect ever. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Richard Dean Anderson. That's a good one. Yeah. That's that's a real deep cut, but yes. <laughs> like that. Anyway, on that note, thank you for joining us. Let us know about you, what you think of all of our topics. And if you have a problem with the letter K, email Eric because it's one of his favorite letters. So it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good letter. I mean, but you know what? If they would have just put the cover of like have the cover be the picture of the sled. You'd get a lot of people upset with that too. So, like, what do we what do we really want, guys? What 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 you know? What would be the ideal Susan Kane cover? This is shot from the movie because they do that in the poster or whatever. So yeah, no, can't that's true. Everyone. Hey, no, you can't. You can't please everybody. Um, but we will keep you updated with the sales of that DVD when November comes. So stay tuned. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us good, great reviews. Give us money for beer, whatever you want. We are here. We're, we're, we're going to pay the licensing fee to get Angels in, in America, Angels in the Outfield, back on Disney Plus. Absolutely. Whatever that licensing fee that's preventing it from happening, we're, we'll pay it off if you pay there. us. And if there is no fee, if it's just about negotiations between we'll pay Angels us. and Disney, that. yeah, we'll do it. We'll, yeah. We will be, we will be that uh, that bridge. Let, let us know your favorite sports movie real life location and we will build a stadium and, and do a game from that <laughs> that's right do a game that's how savvy i am in terms of athletics for eric my name is chad and we will see you next week